Father, thank you. Thank you for the opportunity that you give us to worship you and to love you. Thank you for the opportunity to come together, even on a rainy, snowy, cloudy day, that we can feel the sunshine of your love in our hearts. And we pray, Father, that you would touch our hearts this morning with the word. It's a powerful word. I believe you have given to the church this morning. I pray for your anointing. I pray, Lord, that our ears would hear what the Spirit of God would say to the church. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. I'd like to speak to you this morning and possibly do some teaching on the subject, Move That Mountain. Move that mountain. Jesus said in Matthew 17 and 20, he said unto them, because of your unbelief, for verily I say unto you, if you have faith as a grain of mustard seed, you shall say unto this mountain, remove hence to yonder place, and it shall remove, and nothing shall be impossible unto you. The word problems, the word problems is so monumental in our individual lives and now in the life of the world. Mountains everywhere we turn, family, friends, loved ones. Situations in our body, soul, and spirit. Circumstances, situations. People are hurting. People are aching. People want relief. People want answers. People want to know. What can I do about my problems? People want to know. What can I do about my mountains? In this verse, the Lord said, if you have faith. He never mentioned a little faith. He never mentioned a tiny bit of faith. He said, if you have faith. If you have faith. As a grain of mustard seed. Why a mustard seed? A mustard seed was considered to be a very weak and ineffective seed. A mustard seed doesn't mix with other seeds like rye and wheat and barley and grass. It doesn't mix for this reason. It far exceeds these other seeds by growing 15 feet tall, usually. The Lord was saying, if you have faith that's not mixed, and in the physical, he talks about the mustard seed, and when you study it, he's saying if the mustard seed is not mixed with rye, wheat, barley, or grass, it will exceed. He's saying to us in the spiritual, if you don't mix your faith with doubt, 
with fear, with unbelief, with worry and anxiety, it will grow taller than these and be more effective in speaking to your problems and to your mountains. Then shall you say unto this mountain, Remove hence to yonder place, and it shall remove, and nothing shall be impossible unto you. You see, the mustard seed pulls away from those other seeds. The mustard seed becomes dominant. And what Jesus was trying to say was, I want you to pull away from the physical, the spiritual, the negative, the doubt, the fear, the unbelief. Pull away from it and allow your faith. He said, if you have faith, and that faith will grow 15 feet tall, so to speak, is what Jesus is saying. But we have to believe. You see, when Jesus said these words that you could say unto this mountain, it was a position of authority and a command and not a position of presenting your petitions to God. You have to understand this this morning. You have to understand who you are. The church doesn't really know who they are. The Christian, for the most part, doesn't know who they are. When Jesus said, say unto this mountain, he was saying, you have authority. And you have position with me. And you can command in the name of the Lord. This is not a petition in this particular verse to come to God and pray about something. He didn't say pray here. He said say. Follow me. Listen. After we've prayed, after we have fasted, after we have wept, after we have sought Christian counsel, God says there comes a time that you have to stand and speak to the issue. Speak to the mountain. Speak to the problem. Paul said in Ephesians chapter 6, he says, when you've done all, he said, stand. Stand fast. And what God is saying here is, stand up and speak to the mountain. Stand up and say to the mountain. This is what we call the creative power of God that he desires to work through us for his glory, especially in the last days. Let me explain this to you. In Genesis chapter 1, I'm going to give you a few verses here. Bear with me. In Genesis chapter 1, I'm talking about the creative power of God. Now, you know, I always teach you what happens in the physical. Look for the parallel in the spiritual. You can now talk to your remote control and tell them what movies you want to record. You can call up Siri and say, hey, Siri, or what's the other girls? Alexis, whatever her name is. You see, you say that. It's in the physical. You understand what I'm saying? You say it. You give a command. You have a position of authority with that thing on your counter. Find my keys. What's the weather today? You're saying it. You're speaking to an inanimate object. But you've got creative power with your words. How much more in the spiritual, follow me here, in Genesis chapter 1 and verse 3, and God said, let there be light, and there was light. In Genesis chapter 1 verse 6, he said, and God said, let there be a firmament in the midst of the waters, and let it divide the waters from the waters. In Genesis 1, 9, and God said, 
Let the waters under heaven be gathered together unto one place and let the dry land appear. And it was so. In Genesis 1.11, and God said, let the earth bring forth grass, the herb yielding seed and the fruit tree yielding fruit after its kind, whose seed is in itself upon the earth. And it was so. Genesis chapter 1, verse 14. And God said, let there be lights in the firmament of the heaven to divide the day from the night and let them be for signs and for seasons and for days and years. Genesis 1.20. And God said, let the waters bring forth abundantly the moving creature that hath life and the fowl that may fly above the earth in the open firmament of heaven. Genesis 1.24. And God said, let the earth bring forth the living creature after his kind, cattle and creeping thing, and the beast of the earth after his kind, it was so. In Genesis 1.26, and God said, let us make man in our image after our likeness. God said in Genesis 1.28, and God blessed them, and God said unto them, be fruitful and multiply and replenish the earth. This was the creative power of God. God did not have a toolbox. God did not have a toolbox that day. The Trinity spoke it. And when the Trinity spoke it, it happened. It just appeared. God took dust, formed Adam in the form of a man, and breathed into his nostrils the breath of life. God took a rib from Adam and created a woman. This is the creative power of God. And believe it or not, God desires for us to have the creative power of God to speak in His name to the mountains and to the problems and the situations that occur in our lives. What does it say in Mark chapter 11, verse 15? Let me give you an example of the creative power of God. And they come to Jerusalem. And Jesus went into the temple and began to cast out them that sold and bought in the temple and overthrew the tables of the money changers and the seats of them that sold doves. And would not suffer that any man should carry any vessel through the temple. And he taught, saying unto them, Is it not written, My house shall be called of all nations the house of prayer. But you have made it into a den of thieves. And the scribes and the chief priests heard it, and sought how they might destroy him, for they feared, because all the people were astonished at his doctrine. Jesus spoke with authority. He spoke commands. When he said be healed, he meant be healed. When he said rise up and take up thy bed and walk, he meant exactly what he said. In the Bible, it says in Mark chapter 11 and verse 19, he's on a journey now. He's proceeding to Jerusalem. And when evening was come, he went out of the city. And in the morning, as they passed by, they saw the fig tree dried up from the roots. What happened here? Jesus spoke to the fig tree. And he said this. He said in Mark chapter 11 and verse 12 through 14. And on tomorrow, when they were come from Bethany... He was hungry, and seeing a fig tree afar off having leaves, it was a tree of life, it was alive, if haply he might find anything thereon, and when he came to it, he found nothing but leaves, for the time of figs was not yet. And Jesus answered, look at the word now, and said unto it, unto what? The tree. No man eat fruit of thee hereafter forever, and his disciples heard it. Jesus marched on to Jerusalem, and now he's going to make a return trip 
back to where he was when he cursed the fig tree. In Mark chapter 11, verse 19, when evening was come, he went out of the city. And in the morning as they passed by, they saw the fig tree, listen to this now, dried up from the roots. The leaves were not only dead, he went underground. It was dried up from the roots, and Peter calling to remembrance said unto him, Master, behold, the fig tree which thou curseth, Jesus spoke to it, is withered away. And Jesus answering said unto them, Have faith in God. For verily I say unto you, that whosoever shall say unto this mountain, Be thou removed, and be thou cast into the sea, and shall not doubt in his heart, but shall believe that those things which he saith shall come to pass, he shall have whatsoever he saith. Amen. People don't teach this for the most part. Because this is a deep word from God talking about the creative power of God. Amen. And when men of God preach this, people kind of look and say, what are you talking about? I'm talking about God in us. Amen. I'm talking about authority that God gives us. You see, God didn't put on our foreheads a doormat. He didn't say for people to just step over us. He gave us commands. And I'll show you later that he likens us to kings and priests in a few moments. Why can we have what we say? Now, God isn't saying, okay, I'm going to speak a Cadillac into existence. It's according to his will. It's according to the word of God. Let's not be foolish. To think that, oh God, I'm going to speak into existence this big mansion on a hillside. It's not what God's saying. In its proper place. In its proper form. And in its proper application. Faith arises. And God speaks through us. And things happen. Amen. In Matthew 16, 19. It says, and I will give unto thee. Put your name in there. The keys of the kingdom of heaven. And whatsoever thou shalt bind on earth shall be bound in heaven, and whatsoever thou shalt loose on earth shall be loosed in heaven. Now let me stop here for a minute. Because I think there's teaching that's not correct when we talk about this word. When people get sick, a lot of times they pray, I bind that spirit. No, no. You want to loose that spirit. Amen. And you want to bind the spirit of healing to the person. Yes, I don't want to continue binding the spirit of sickness to an individual. Nope. I don't want to continue binding the problem or the mountain to the person. Come on. I want to loose, I want to pull away mustard seed, grain, faith. I want to pull away from that situation, from that person. So I don't want to bind it to them. I want to loose it in the name of Jesus. And then I want to bind the spirit of healing, the spirit of love, the spirit of encouragement, whatever we're praying about. I want to bind that to the spirit of that person. Amen. Do you follow that? Because yes, I, I, I've heard teaching through the years and binding and loosing, binding and loosing. I said, what are you binding? Don't bind that to me. Loose it. Amen. Don't bind depression to me. Loose it. Come on. 
And then find encouragement and healing. I like that better. Amen. I think we have it backwards. And Jesus said, you have keys. What do keys do? Keys open doors. Amen. I said keys open doors. But if you don't take the keys out of your pocket, you're never going to open a door. Sometimes the door is right in front of us. Steering us. And all he says, put the key in the lock and open it and go through the door. We said, I, I, I don't know, Lord. God said, if you have faith as a grain of mustard seed, pull away. Take a healthy risk. Use all the light that you have and take the first step into darkness if that's where God's leading you and that's how God is speaking. Are you hearing what I'm saying here? Let me show you something here. In the book of Revelation, it says in Revelation chapter 1, verse 5, And from Jesus Christ, who is the faithful witness, and the first begotten of the dead, and the prince of the kings of the earth, unto him that loved us and washed us from our sins in his own blood. So it's understandable that we are saved through the blood of Jesus. Is that not correct? Amen. Well, look at Revelation chapter 1, verse 6, the very next verse. And hath made us. No, no. Don't say, oh, oh. Made us what? Kings and priests unto God and his Father. To him be glory and dominion forever and ever. Amen. Revelation chapter 5, verse 20 says, And hath made unto us our God kings and priests, and we shall reign on the earth. I want to ask you a question. What is the authority of a king? What's the authority of a king? King can do whatever he wants. Where does a man go with a big dog? Anywhere he wants. A king has authority. A priest has authority in the Lord. We have authority. We have position in Christ because we are saved through the blood of Jesus. You've got to see yourself as God sees you. You have to see yourself as God sees you. As a king and a priest. And some people say, oh, come on, pastor. (laughs) Well, listen, I didn't write the book. I just preached the book for the Lord. He says, I'm a king and a priest. Personalize it. If you go around thinking you're a broken down vehicle, you're a broken down Model T Ford on the side of the road that's rusted out with no tires, then that's what you're going to be. What you say is what you are. I said what you say is what you are. And what you say is how you're going to act. Hmm. Mark chapter 9 verse 23 says, Jesus said unto them, If thou canst believe, all things are possible to him that believeth. Jesus was speaking to the church and informing us that the promises of God are for all of us and not for a select few. Now let me meddle. Some people say this was only for the 12. Some say this was only for the 70. But I have to go by God's word. In Acts chapter 2 verse 39, look what it says. For the promise, and the promise was the Holy Spirit, is unto you, mm, thank you, and to your children, mm, thank you, and to all that are far off, even as many as the Lord our God shall call. Does that sound like this was over, over 2,000 years ago in the upper room? 
Does this sound like when uh, Jesus went to heaven and he, he made 12 disciples and then 70 and the early church began? That at some point, maybe 300 years after Jesus was gone to heaven, that all of a sudden the Holy Spirit wasn't working anymore? That people were no longer kings and priests? Absolutely not. But people stand behind pulpits and they don't teach people the right word of God because they're fearful. They're fearful that what are people going to say if I mention the baptism of the Holy Spirit and speaking in other tongues? Oh boy, that's not for me, Pastor. That was for the early church. And because and that's a gift of tongues. No, that's we're not talking about the gift of tongues in the book of Corinthians. We're talking about the baptism of the Holy Spirit with the first evidence of speaking in tongues. And Acts chapter two, it's the different. And people don't understand the teaching. They remain ignorant and unlearned about God's word, and preachers peddle it from the pulpit. Saying that we're heretics, Pentecostal people. We're in heresy. Because that went out with the early church. I said, whoa, whoa. How how did that go out? You mean you mean to tell me that miracles can't happen anymore? Then I, I just look at those people and say, then you can't go to heaven. They say, Well, what do you mean? I say, listen, you believe in the rapture of the church? Oh, of course. I said, you're not going to go to heaven. Why? Because God's going to defy the laws of gravity. And this body is going to go up. And you don't believe in miracles because you think it was over, over 2,000 years ago. So you're going to stay put. Kind of messes their mind up a little bit. Well, I never thought that. Well, I'm telling you what the word says. God's going to defy the laws of gravity, which equals a miracle. Religious leaders peddle their theories and ignore the full gospel. Jesus said this thing wasn't hidden in a corner. The full gospel. You can't take out the book of Acts. You can't take out the book of Acts chapter 2 and suit it for your purpose. Come on, preach. You can't say I'm a heretic because I received the baptism of the Holy Spirit with the first evidence of speaking in other tongues. And I've been used in the gifts of the Spirit. That's a whole different ballgame that people don't have the teaching on. What's God saying? They have theological theories, but not an experience with God because they're scared to death to preach the truth to people. They're scared. Because people will leave their church if we mention the fullness of the Holy Spirit. Remember, in Hebrews 13, 8, Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, today, and forever. Amen. And when he told the disciples before he left, tarry ye in the city of Jerusalem, go to the upper room, until what? Until you be endued with power from on high. Why would Jesus tell them that and not tell me that? Amen. He's no respecter. Of persons. You see, listen, someone tried to tell us that we're just servants and pilgrims going through this world, that we're nobody, we have no rights or benefits. But the Word of God says in Romans 8 16 and 17, the Spirit itself, and that word Spirit is capital S, is the Holy Spirit, 
bears witness with our spirit that we are the children of God. And if children, look at the word, heirs of God, joint heirs with Jesus Christ, if so be that we suffer with him, that we may also be glorified together. Listen, what does it say here? We're heirs of what? Heirs of God. If you are an heir of something, it means you've inherited something. Amen. Somebody left you something. And what Jesus left us, he said, I must go away so that I can pray to the Father that the Comforter would come. Praise God. And that Comforter is the baptism of the Holy Spirit, is the power of God that God wants to bring upon the church. But we fight it. Because I never learned it that way, Pastor. I, 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 I never learned it that way. Well, you know, one of the problems being a pastor is to help people unlearn what they learned so that new learning can take place, so they can be free, so they can have more power in their life and more authority. Praise the Lord. God is saying this. If we're heirs, we have inherited something. What have we inherited? Just the right to go to heaven? Is that it? So we should just wait to die on the side of the road and say, God, take me to heaven. In the meantime, just let the enemy run over us. Let him beat the snot out of us. Let him beat us up in the corner. Let, us play with, let him play with our minds and all this other stuff and do nothing about it. Listen, you can go to the used car shop and you can buy yourself a four-cylinder. And trust me, I had a Pinto runabout that my wife and I had to lean forward when we were going up a hill to try to get it up the hill. You can buy a six-cylinder, and that's got a little more power. But if you buy an eight-cylinder, you got some juice. Now, people say, well, I have the Holy Spirit, Pastor. I said, listen, the Holy Spirit comes in measures. The Bible says in John chapter 3, if you look at the Word of God, that Jesus received the Spirit without measure. Look it up. Now, if you just want a little teeny bit, stay put. If you want a little bit more, stay put. You know, we go back for seconds when we eat, don't we? And if you look at the word of God, they were baptized in the Holy Spirit in Acts chapter 2. And uh, in the other books of Acts, they were baptized again and again. And all the way down to the church in Ephesus many years later, they were baptized in the Holy Spirit with the first evidence of speaking in other tongues. Glory to God. People say, well, that's not for me. Okay. You might not like spaghetti and meatballs and garlic bread, but I love it. I'll give you a piece of bread with butter and you can be happy with that. You're going to eat, but you're not going to eat like me. Come on now. I'll give you bread and butter and some salad. We can act like rabbits. I'll throw a little tomato in there, a little cucumber, and you can be happy. Watching me eat spaghetti and meatballs with a piece of garlic bread and then a piece of cheesecake with some cherries on top. So it's a matter of choice of what, how, how, how far do you want to go with God? Where, where, where do we put the limit on it? Okay, God, I've had enough. Okay, God, put the lid on. I'm happy. My name's in the land's book of life. I'm going to heaven. I'm good to go. Hmm. Okay. The Bible says we are members of his body, of his flesh, and of his bones. 
It says, if we be dead with Christ in Romans 6, 8, we believe that we should also live with Him. For me to live is Christ and to die is gain. Philippians 1, 21. What's it saying? I'm bone of His bone and flesh of His flesh. I'm with God. God's with me. So why doesn't God want to bless me? Why wouldn't He want to bless me? Why wouldn't He want to give me more than I have so I can fight the powers of evil that come against me and my family and the church and my friendships? Why settle? See, that's what happened in the early 1900s. People went to church and they said, there's got to be more. There's got to be more. And the Azusa Street Revival was born. Read about it. 24-7. The Russian Pentecostals who were persecuted in Russia came from Russia. And they heard these people in this little church praying in tongues. Because the prophecy came in Russia that they were going to be persecuted. And they came to the Azusa Street Revival and they said, hey, they pray like us, Russian Pentecostals. And join forces. But today... People want to resist the word of God. Mm -hmm. Jesus said to the disciples, go to the upper room. For what reason? Just to have a hamburger and a Coke? He said in Acts chapter 1 verse 8, but you shall receive power. After that, the Holy Ghost has come upon you and you shall be witnesses unto me both in Jerusalem and all Judea and in Samaria and to the uttermost parts of the earth. The word power means dunamis, which is the inherent ability of God, the creative power of God. You have received the ability of God to be capable, to be strong, and to be powerful. Your life is dead in Christ. It's His ability, and that's why we read in Acts chapter 3, verse 1. Follow. Peter denied Christ three times. Cursed. Ran out of the trial. But in the book of Acts, he received the power of the Holy Spirit. And in the book of Acts chapter 2, he stood up with the 11 and preached one of the greatest sermons anyone's ever preached in the history of the church. What happened to Peter? What happened to Peter who denied Christ three times? In between... That period of time and going to the upper, what happened to Peter? He obeyed God. I said he obeyed God. And in the upper room, he received the power of the Holy Spirit as it came upon the church. And the Bible says they all spoke in other tongues. It wasn't only that day. Follow the thread through the book of Acts. There's numerous times that it's written that the Holy Spirit fell with the evidence first of speaking in other tongues. Follow. What happened to Peter? That in Peter, in Acts chapter 3, verse 1, now Peter and John went up together into the temple of, at the hour of prayer, being the ninth hour. And a certain man, lame from his mother's womb, was carried, whom they laid daily at the gate of the temple, which is called Beautiful, to ask alms of them that entered into the temple. Who seeing Peter and John about to go into the temple asked alms. Oh, 
And Peter, listen to the word now, fastening his eyes upon him with John, said, creative power. Come on. There's death and life in the power of your tongue. That's what the word says in Proverbs. There's death and power in your words. And that verse means the death is a closed fist. Power is an open hand. That's why when we shake hands, we shake hands with the right hand of fellowship. When someone shows their fist, they want to fight. They want to cause death to you. When someone has an open hand, they're extending themselves to you and saying, you're my friend. I accept you. I trust you. Come into my sheepfold. Let's break bread together. John said, Peter and John said, look on us. It's a command. It's It's a position. It's a position. What did he say? And the man gave heed unto them. Why? Because they were different. See, people will listen to you if you're different. And the only way you can really be different is when the power of God is upon you. When the anointing of God is expressing itself through you. You can walk into a room with authority. You can walk into a situation or circumstance with authority and people will recognize the authority of Christ in you. They may not understand it, but they understand that you have something that they don't have. There's an aura about you. Positionally. The man gave heed, expecting to receive something of them. Oh, he was going to receive something greater than a coin. Mm -hmm. Then Peter said, Silver and gold have I none, but such as I have I give unto thee. In the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, rise up and walk. It's a position. It's a command. It's authority. And Peter and John said, get up. Amen. You shall say unto this mountain. You shall say unto this situation. Come on. He didn't bring him in the church to pray. He spoke to the man and gave the man a command. And said, in the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, rise up and walk. This man never walked in his life. He was crippled from birth. And he took him by the right hand and lifted him up. And immediately his feet and ankle bones received strength. And he leaping up stood and walked. He didn't have to go to the physical therapist. I'm not saying that's a bad thing. But that day, my Lord, he was leaping. He was pole vaulting. He had a pogo stick, my God, going into the church. People think they invented the pogo stick. No, this guy did. Praise God through Christ. And leaping up stood, walked, and entered with them in the temple, walking and leaping and praising God. And all the people saw him walking and praising God. And they knew that it was he which sat for alms at the beautiful gate of the temple. And they were filled with wonder and amazement at that which had happened unto him. Amen. And as the lame man which was healed was healed, held Peter and John, and all the people ran together unto them in the porch that is called Solomon's, greatly wondering. And when Peter saw it, listen to what he said, he answered unto the people and he said, You men of Israel, why marvel ye at this? Or why look so earnestly on us as though by our own power or holiness we had made this man to walk? Come on. You know what Peter was saying? It's not our doing. It's his ability. It's the dunamis. It's the power. It's the Holy Spirit. 
Don't look upon us like we're some great person. But when that anointing flows through you, God's greatness begins to shine. And God's greatness begins to pull away from the doubt, the fear, the unbelief, the weeds, the grass, the barley, and the rye, and rises 15 feet tall. And bang, the mountain is removed. It's not your ability that God is really interested in. Some people boast, I'm this, I'm that. Look at me. I'm so great. It's not your talent that God is interested in either. It's not our programs and that God is really interested in. It's not our ability that he's interested in. But what he's interested in is in our availability. Amen. You see, when God calls you at a position of convenience, to enter into a position of inconvenience, because someone might need a prayer, someone might need a word of encouragement, and you may have to get off your couch or your chair and you might have to shut off the ball game for a few minutes. Mom. Now you become available. And God sees you walking toward the situation and the mountain and the problem. And he says, you know what, son or daughter? I'm going to anoint you to speak to that person. You see, if you just sit, he did say go. If we just sit, nothing's going to happen. We can sit all day long when God's saying go. We can pray all day long when God says say. Are you hearing what I'm saying? The question is, are we available? Making yourself available to God, no reservations, no excuses, totally believing that God's ability will work through you, and you might be inconvenienced. Are you willing? See, this is a sermon about faith this morning. And faith is the miracle worker of the ages. Let me give you a little history. It was faith that brought Abraham out. That led Moses through. That took Joshua over the river. It was faith that snatched up Elijah. It was faith that kept Noah in the ark and baby Moses in the basket. It was faith that kept Daniel in the lion's den and the three Hebrew children in the fiery furnace. It was faith that kept David in the cave and Job on the ash heap. By faith, Elijah, by the brook, God took care of him. It was faith that kept Jonah in the belly of the whale for three days and three nights. It was faith that kept Peter in prison. It was by faith that Peter, but Paul was in prison and then sprung. By faith, John was kept on the Isle of Patmos to write the revelation of Jesus Christ. And what more should I say? For the time would fail me to tell you about Gideon and Samson and Rahab and Jacob and Samuel and all the prophets who through faith subdued kingdoms, wrought righteousness, obtained promises, stopped the mouths of lions, quenched the violence of fire, escaped the edge of the sword, out of weakness were made strong, were valiant in battle, turned to flight alien armies, brought victory out of defeat, order out of chaos, light out of darkness, and life out of death. That's what I'm talking about, the faith of God working in us. Who are you? 
Who am I? Are you satisfied? If you are, you're on the wrong road. You got to get hungry. You got to get thirsty. Blessed are they that hunger. Blessed are they that are thirsty. Some people are just set in their theology. And when you start to knock on their door, they want to resist. You're not resisting me. Resisting the Holy Spirit that's trying to speak to the church. Trying to get beyond theology. Trying to get beyond argumentative nonsense. Trying to get beyond sometimes ignorance. Trying to fill people with his spirit. Because I want to tell you something, my friend. Unless you're living in a a molehill, a hole somewhere, you're going to need some power in the last day. You're going to need more than the four-cylinder or the six-cylinder. You're going to need some juice in the last day, my friend. Because persecution will be coming. We can talk real big now. I want to talk big when the problem comes, but I want to know that I'm filled with God's Holy Spirit. You see, brothers and sisters, faith is a real thing and not a state of mind nor spiritual imagination. You see, all that Paul went through, all the mountains and all the problems and all the situations, Paul said these words in Galatians 2.20, I am crucified with Christ. Nevertheless, I live, yet not I, but Christ liveth in me. And the life which I now live in the flesh, I live by the faith of the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. Whose faith? The faith of the Son of God that does not mix with barley or rye or wheat or grass or doubt or fear, unbelief or anxiety or worry. Come on. He's trying to bring the Christian church to that place where we can walk in the Spirit. We can walk in divine health. We can walk in holiness. Listen, in the book of Acts, they were healed by the shadow of Peter. Yes, sir. Peter just walked down the street. He didn't pray for nobody. He just walked down the street and in the shadow of the man of God that was healed. People say, I don't believe that. That's okay. You will not shake the faith of God this morning. Because his faith is... Higher than 15 feet tall this morning. He created all this. It was the creative word of God that spoke all this into existence. It was his creative power that created you in your mother's womb. It's his creative power that woke you up this morning and put breath in your life. I don't know about you, man. I want more from God. I want to become stronger for God. I want to be able to speak for God as an oracle of God. Come on. I have the Lord's faith, and so do you, if you believe it. And the Lord's faith is alive, has substance, it's tangible. And it can be applied. But doubt and fear, unbelief draws the contrary things of the enemy, which is poverty and sickness and fear. God is trying to equip us to do his work and to do his will. What does the word of God tell us? We're reminded of the centurion's faith in Matthew chapter 8, verse 5. Listen to what happened here. And when Jesus was entered into Capernaum, there came unto him a centurion beseeching him, 
and saying, Lord, my servant lieth at home sick of the palsy, grievously tormented. And Jesus said unto him, I will come and heal him. Look what the centurion said. The centurion, who was a Gentile, at this moment, Jesus only came to the Jews. This is a Gentile soldier. The centurion answered and said, Lord, I'm not worthy that thou should come under my roof, but speak the word only. Amen. Mm, wait a minute. Here's a man of authority recognizing another man of authority and saying, you don't even have to come home with me. Come on. You just need to speak it. Amen. Wait a minute. He's a Gentile. He's not a Jew. Jesus did not come for this man. For I'm a man under authority, having soldiers under me, and I say to this man, go, and he goes, and to another, come, and he comes, and to my servant, do this, and he doeth it. The centurion is explaining his position of authority. He's explaining that he has power, he has juice. When I say it, they snap and pop. I recognize you. And I know that I'm not a Jew. And I know that you didn't come from my dispensation. Jesus looked at this man. And he said, he marveled in verse 10. And said to them that followed, Verily I say unto you, I have not found so great faith, no, not in Israel. What did Jesus marvel at? His faith. It was the faith of a Gentile that Jesus hadn't come for. You see, there was one other instance in the New Testament, the Syrophoenician woman who had a daughter that was vexed by the devil. And she too was a Gentile. And she said, Master, even the dogs eat the crumbs off the table. Amen. And she got the attention of Christ. And he said to her, Great is thy faith, woman. And that same self hour, her daughter was healed. What happened to the centurion? In Matthew 8, 11, I say unto you, Jesus said, that many shall come from the east and the west and shall sit down with Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob in the kingdom of heaven. But the children of the kingdom shall be cast out into darkness. These were the Jewish people that did not believe. There shall be weeping and gnashing of teeth. And Jesus said unto the centurion, Go thy way, as thou hast believed, so be it done unto thee. And his servant was healed in the selfsame hour. Jesus stopped time. He stopped the Jewish dispensation. He stopped it. And he opened up for one split second the Jewish, dis the Gentile dispensation. And he said, man, you've got such a great faith. I'm going to heal your servant. This was huge. Yes, sir. He let the Gentile in on the benefits of the kingdom of God because of his great faith. What Jesus was marveling about was two things. The great faith of the centurion but the unbelief of the Jews. You're going to be cast into out of dark because you don't believe. I came for you. I came unto my own and you received me not. You crucified me. But here's a Gentile, a man of authority that says, just say it. Just speak it. The creative power of God. We will have miracles if we believe. John 15 tells us that we are the branches in the vine. 
But we have to have a vision of the miracle working power of God in our lives. We have to see ourselves as Paul said to the church at Rome in Romans 8.37. Nay, in all these things we are more than conquerors through him that loved us. Do you see yourself more than a conqueror? Or are we broken, lifeless, weak, no command presence, no power in the present moment? Getting beat up by the enemy. People say, the devil's on my back. The devil's after me. The devil's coming for me. They talk more about the devil than they talk about God. Come on, preach it. I like what one man of God said years ago. It's about time that we saw the backside of the devil running away from the church. It's time that we saw him running away from us. But we just stand there and we take it sometimes. And we don't speak. Say unto this mountain. Jesus said in John 14 and 12. And and, and this verse blows the minds of people. Because they don't understand what Jesus was saying. He said, verily, verily, I say unto you. He that believeth on me, the works that I do, shall he do also. And greater works than these shall he do, because I go unto my Father. What does that mean, Pastor? That we're going to do greater works than Jesus? Greater miracles? No. Jesus, if you looked at his life, was only in a certain radius where he was. And that's where he did business, ministry. Those little towns, those little areas. When he said to the disciples and those in the upper room, you shall be witnesses unto me in all these other places. That's the greater works. You see, Jesus didn't have internet in those days. The greater works is that we can reach more people through the world, through electronics. Amen. It doesn't mean that we're going to do greater miracles than Jesus. Quantitatively, not qualitatively, but quantitatively. We can do so much more with the vehicles that God has given to us in the last day. And people look at that verse and say, oh, I, I, don't, I don't know what that means. I'm telling you what it means. We're able to go further, farther, into the uttermost parts of the earth that the gospel is being preached. Let me close. Matthew 27 and 27. I love this verse. When Jesus departed thence, two blind men followed him crying and saying, Thou son of David, have mercy on us. And when he was coming to the house, the blind man, men came to him, and Jesus said unto them, Believe ye that I am able to do this? That's a question that he's asking the church. They said unto him, Yea, Lord. Then he touched their eyes, saying, saying, according to your faith, be it unto you. And their eyes were opened, and Jesus straightway charged them, saying, See that no man know it. But they, when they were departed, spread abroad his fame in all the country. You see, they received their physical sight, but that day they received spiritual vision to go throughout the country to tell people, look at what great things Christ has done for us. Once we were blind, but now we see.
whatever the mountain, we have to believe that God can move it according to your faith. As, as a Christian, I have to believe that God is in me. We have the faith of Jesus in us. He lives in us. The ability of God is in us. He's mastering every situation, even when we don't understand it. He lives in us right now. Come on. But here's a question that Jesus himself posed to the church. And this is a sermon on faith. He said in Luke 18 and 8, he said, I tell you that he will avenge them speedily. God will bring justice to the earth. Amen. Nevertheless, look what it says. When the Son of Man cometh, shall he find faith on the earth. He asked that question. When the Son of Man cometh, will he find faith on the earth? Will he find theology? Religious arguments? Spirits of stubbornness and rebellion? See, I know he's going to find faith somewhere. Because eventually there's going to be a raptured church. And you have to have faith to believe you're going up. But what the cry of Christ is, come on, people. Come on, folks. Look around the seasons. Look around. Look what's happening. Are you living in a cave? You're going to need faith. As we speak right now, in certain parts of the world, there's a great famine taking place. Jesus said in Matthew 24 that there would be famines and pestilence. We don't think that can touch us. That's why I try to preach to people, get ready. Oh, pastor, I, I have what I need. Get ready. Get ready. Have faith. Be prudent. Call upon God. We need to ask God to fill us and refill us every day. Because we don't know what's going to come upon us. But by faith, we can pull away from this world and not be agitated or vexed or taken down or taken out by the powers of the enemy. The word says in Ephesians 2.8, For by grace are you saved through faith and not of yourselves. It's the gift of God. I can only stand before you as a Christian proclaiming I had nothing to do with my salvation. Christ died for my sins. His blood was shed on Calvary that I might be redeemed. But I'll tell you something. Ever since I became a Christian over 45 years ago, I determined in my heart and in my spirit I just didn't want to be an ordinary Christian. Because I felt I had favor with God. 
The Bible said that Jacob had favor with God and with man. And I felt when I got saved, I became someone special to the kingdom of God. And from that day, I walked in that favor. And I still do, believing I'm different. I'm a child of God. I'm an heir of God. And I'm a joint heir in Jesus Christ. And when you begin to see yourself that way, you'll act different, you'll speak different, and you'll do different. Amen. Because you know that you know that you know. You're born again, spirit-filled, an ambassador for Christ on this earth. It's a great thing to be an ambassador to a foreign country. It's a great honor. But we're ambassadors for the kingdom of God. We're ambassadors for the kingdom of God. We represent God Almighty. And when we represent him with power and authority and people speak to us and say, I want to hear more. You're intriguing. You're inspiring. What's it about you? You speak with such authority and command presence. It's not my ability or yours. It's the ability of God. Faith as a grain of mustard seed. And you shall say unto this mountain, be removed. Be removed. That's our position as kings and priests unto the Lord. God bless you. Thank you for listening. Thank you, sis. Stand with us for a few moments, would you?